Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'd like to welcome you to the Free Zone Frontier with Steve Krang. It's great to be here, Dan. Good to see you. Steve, I just shared with you, this was an exercise I did called the 100 Times Collaboration, and it was to show entrepreneurs in our 10X program at Strategic Coach how you need to stretch your mind. So I laid it out as eight separate thinking processes on one sheet of paper, and what I was really happy with, I went through it and you totally got it and you had all sorts of insights. Well, I think, you know, Dan, much like all of your thinking tools, it's kind of a peek inside your head into how you're thinking about whether it's a challenge or an opportunity. You break it down into these bite-sized chunks. And what's really interesting is this is a pretty dense looking one pager. Some of yours have, you know, five blanks. This one, I don't know how many to count here, but there's way too many to count really quickly. But it's interesting because it really does organize the thinking around how to get out of your own way and almost get away from what I think a lot of entrepreneurs do, which is over time, get into a loop of getting more realistic and smaller with your thinking because you have to get more realistic about accomplishing your goals, and you lose some of that long-term impactful thinking. So love the idea that even the name is not 10x collaboration, it's 100x collaboration. I've been thinking about 100x since my last workshop with you, and I've been thinking about applying the, the number to a lot of different things. But just that alone, the name of the worksheet, 100 times collaboration, a 10 by 10, all of a sudden, it kind of piques your interest, like, how the hell are you going to do 100 times? Mm -hmm. By the way, the word 10 times has become a little bit commoditized over the past five or 10 years. So it's nice to like leap up to 100x. Can you kind of break that down a little bit before we even get into the worksheet, the 100x piece and how important that is to the entire thinking you've done here? Yeah, well, I think the big thing is, and I'll attach this to the central concept that you have in Startup Health which is a moonshot. Yep. So when you think about a moonshot, it's outside your gravitational system. Just think of what it took actually to do the first moonshot in the American space program. And I was saying the thing is that 100 times really clarifies your thinking in terms of, you know, I can't be doing everything. I just got to be doing the things that I'm really great at. And the other thing, I have a interesting section that's called non-negotiables that you establish right off the bat. Yeah, I'm very interested in collaborating with other people, but there's certain ground rules about things I will do and won't do. And we talked about this in a previous podcast series about your values and principles that really hold you together as an individual, but also your company. And you're not going to compromise these as you go forward. So those are just the three first thoughts of the eight that are on this page. What are the three things that you can say is your unique ability and you would have observant witnesses say, absolutely, those are Steve's really great unique abilities and I see them in action all the time. And then what is my company in terms of three capabilities that are really unique, the way we form the company, the kind of impact that we have on our actual customers and clients that we're dealing with? And then what are my three values, which the company is only interesting to me and the growth of the company is only interested if these are the center of everything that we're doing. 
So the reason I do this is I really want to anchor the entrepreneurs in what is known and what they deeply feel and understand. They're very proud of, actually. They have enormous confidence about who they are, who their company is, and then what the non-negotiables are. Yeah. But if you ask that question and we were talking about 2x or 5x or 10x, you can kind of iterate your way to 10x, right? You just get you know, the 80% rule, 80% and another 80% another 80% and you get enough of the compounding growth and you can kind of, you can get to 10 times. I don't want to say accidentally, but you can kind of get there doing really good execution with a really good plan. 100x, when you talk about capabilities and non-negotiables and unique abilities, it kind of goes deeper into a core because again, you're not talking about business as usual. What kind of different answers do you think go into those, you know, each of those three little first areas that would be different if we were only talking about 2X or 5X or 6X, or is it not different at all? It takes longer because people, just to use the moonshot analogy, there's all sorts of things that you would do if you have oxygen and gravity, <laughs> you know, and... You can wander off the reservation on Earth, and you can do this, and you can do that. But one of the things I think, and that's why I think that the going into outer space is actually symbolic as much as it is a future plan, and that is that you really have to think things through very deeply that, look, we're going into an entirely new environment and we've got to make sure that we're really focused, not only intellectually and physically, we're really focused on what we're doing, but psychologically and emotionally, we're very, very... Yeah. Again, I want to bring it back to your moonshot here, that everybody who's in startup health has a big dream about some major value they're creating in the world. And to a certain extent, you're giving them a chance to dedicate all their entrepreneurial past, their training, what they've identified they're really great at, but more important, Steve, what is constantly fascinating and motivating to them as they go forward. I think that's the big thing why you have probably the most unusual and, you know, if you want to look at it as an investment network, you know, one aspect of what you're creating as an investment network, I defy anyone to find another investment network on the planet that has that emotional and psychological far-off star that is crucial for membership in the startup health network. And you wouldn't be interested if that wasn't true. No, I mean, it's funny, you know, as we think about this first section here, I was thinking about like, it's an anchor, right? It's the anchor of the entire, let's call it, 25-year framework that you're kind of working under, or lifetime framework for that matter. You know, as I think about it, we call our entrepreneurs members of the army, mm -hmm. right? They're part of the global army of health transformers who are working to achieve their health moonshots and improve the health and well-being of everyone in the world. And it's interesting because everybody is starting out with an inventory of, I want to call them assets, but capabilities, relationships, both at the individual level, at the team and company level. And I think these non-negotiables are an interesting element here because they are values and principles that it almost locks down the foundation for then beginning to build and outline that 100x plan or in our world, that health moonshot. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about for two seconds, I just want to understand how you frame the non-negotiables as timeless because sometimes we pick and choose non-negotiables for right now and the difference between a non a short-term non-negotiable 
and a lifetime non-negotiable. Yeah. So in our case, and I'll actually go through what the three non-negotiables are, and this goes back to the beginning when it was just Babs and me, and we established these and we called them prime directives because we were both big Star Trek fans at that time. <laughs> and the first one is that Babs and I, together as a team that created Strategic Coach, we would never undertake any person or any activity or involvement in our entrepreneurial future that didn't strengthen the teamwork and intimacy that Babs had as partners. We're lifetime partners, we're married, and we see this as a lifetime venture, strategic coach. So what we communicated from our team, you know, you're gonna get a lot of suggestions from outside the company or even inside the company, oh, we ought to do this and we ought to do that. And I said, I just want you to know rule number one, we won't entertain anything that doesn't strengthen the teamwork. And you can't get anything in between Babs and Dan. I just want to tell you that. Yeah. So everybody in our company knows this. So they feel very, very confident when someone suggests something and they say, well, Babs and Dan just wouldn't go for that. I can tell you right now, Babs and Dan yeah. I wouldn't do that. Number two, and it relates to that, is we have 100% ownership of the company and we always will. We have 100% control of the forward progress of the company. People have said, you know, you guys should go IPO, you know, with this. You've got a lot of intellectual capital and private equity firms could come in and they would give you a massive amount of capital to expand. And we said, I'd have to go to meetings. <laughs> I'd have to meet lawyers. I'd have to think about this at night and everything else. I just see complexity. And we've grown out of cash flow to this point. Now, this is just our company. This has nothing to do with collaborations we'll do in the marketplace, Yeah. okay? But they have to be the right partners in relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So if you use these two as examples, what would you say to the entrepreneur who doesn't think they have any non-negotiable, or let me actually say, they're not aware about the boundaries or maybe even haven't set any boundaries like you just described? What is the exercise that you give entrepreneurs to kind of like own what they believe. I just actually tested this out on 24 entrepreneurs, and this was the first time they had hit that thought, and none of them had any problem in filling in three things, and I had people just go around the room. They were all very, very impressive thoughts, and you know, one of them came up and said, you know, it's very much, I only work with people I really like and I don't accept jerks. Well, that's pretty timeless thought, you know? I mean, jerks are with us forever and they're not gonna do business with jerks. And it's probably based on a lot of experienced transformers where they unfortunately got involved with a jerk. You know my history and I know your history yeah. and we've all had experiences with jerks and we're sharply defined. But there were things, you know, I protect my family. Everything I do in the company has to protect my family. Yeah, It was so great. And the neat thing about entrepreneurs, as opposed to corporate people, is you can bring those type of discussions into the formula. Excellent. So I want to so say this is good. So we got the foundation, you got your non-negotiables, you got your capabilities, but this is not even beginning to kind of leap to the scary part, I think, Yeah. for a lot of entrepreneurs. We see this when... When you talk to entrepreneurs, when we talk to entrepreneurs about their health moonshots, 
they're always filled with so many words and they're almost, depending on how long they've been working on it, almost have shrunk it to something that no longer is a moonshot. It became like this realistic business that knows what it's going to do in the next couple of years, but does not know about the long-term 25-year impact. When you shift over to the calculation, the 100x calculation, let's walk through that a little bit because I think this becomes the non-traditional discussion part, right? Got your inventory of what your capabilities are and your non-negotiables. Let's leap into the 100 times calculation and what you think going through the three steps of the 100x calculation does for stretching someone's mind. Yeah, well, the first thing we do, we simply say, take last year's gross income. In other words, all dollars in. I don't want to get complicated here with EBITDA and profit and everything else. I say, just talk about the dollars that came in on a gross basis last year. Take that number and multiply it by 100. I don't want you to think about this. I just want you to take your gross income, multiply it by 100. And there were kind of some gasps in the room and everything. I said, that's okay. That's okay. It's just a math formula. First of all, raise your hand. And uh, I said, how many of you, the word billion is in the final number? And most of the hands in the room, they had a billion. I said, how many of you, this is the first time you've ever thought of the future growth of your company that involved the word billion? And, uh, and everybody said, well, no, that's corporate. Right? No, no, no. I said, don't worry about it. i just introducing a thought into your future thinking here. And then what we had, everybody in the room, again, there were 24 people there. They had a sheet of paper, a little card, and they wrote down that 100 times number. And I said, we're just going to collect these. And very quickly, we had somebody in our team primed, and they added it up real quickly. And we just talked about the number and what the number does to your thinking. Then we took the total of everybody in the room, not including ourselves. We just took the 24 participants, and we added up, and it was $68.6 billion collectively for the workshop. And I said, so here's how I'll talk about this. We're going to think in terms of 25 years, and 24 of you following the formula that I'm talking about, this is the potential economic impact of what we're doing today over the next 25 years with the 24 of you in this room. So it's $68.6 billion. So what this does, and it was something I wanted to talk to you, and we just chatted about this briefly before we started the podcast. I've really loved the idea of Moonshot because it's got very inspirational, it's got very transformative thoughts about it. And I wanted a number to go along with the concept of moonshot, because my feeling is you would never set your goals on this 100 times number if you didn't have an emotional and psychological payoff like the one that you frame and give the context to in Startup Health, that this is going to be a moonshot. Each of you is going to create a moonshot on the planet that transforms healthcare on the planet in a very fundamental way. But uh, Moonshot doesn't necessarily have a number attached to it. Yeah, it doesn't. But the people that are impacted by, at least in my world where we're talking about health moonshots, people impacted does, right? So what I have found that is true with our community, both the existing army that we're building, the motivation is not money. Mm -hmm. And while money is needed to make the whole thing work and customers and investors with capital and lots of pieces coming together. At the end of the day, the why, they're all building their 
moonshot companies or health moonshot companies is ultimately about the ungodly large number of people impacted by everything from a certain cancer or cancer or heart disease or mental health or mental illness or Alzheimer's or for that matter, you know, children's health and women's health issues that are about lives. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I think that you could actually, with the same thinking, take lives impacted mm -hmm. and equate it to the same thing. And I say this because a lot of times you'll talk to entrepreneurs in in startup health when they first get involved in a, going through our masterclass process, and they'll be talking about kind of small thinking of impact of how many lives they're going to really help in the United States in a certain region. And then you start to say, well, what if you look globally at the number of people? And health is something that touches and will touch directly or indirectly, all seven and a half billion people, mm -hmm. somebody's family, mother, father, sister, brother, child themselves, unfortunately, will have to face something in their life that this becomes relevant for. And when you start to talk about impacting millions, if not billions of people's lives, it becomes very real. So mm -hmm. I think this 100x thinking isn't just relegated to revenue multiples here no. to get there. So you're tying in the economic impact to the emotional impact of yeah. lives saved, which many would say trumps the money and the impact capital. But ultimately, it does trickle back to cost. Ironically enough, one of the health moonshots is about cost to zero, driving costs down and reducing the unnecessary spend in healthcare, both in the US and around the world. Maybe here on this worksheet, as I know it iterates and evolves, you kind of end up with both an economic side of it Yes. And I don't know what you'd call it, but there's almost a parallel non-financial uh, 100x impact. Well, I think it's human transformation. In other words, in some way, this fundamentally transforms the human condition that right now is very negative for a lot of people. It becomes a positive. Yeah. It's interesting. 100xing, but getting into the economic impact plays right back. It's a nice parallel so that you hit on everybody's interests who might be around the entrepreneurs. You know, the people that are really supporting the growth who are not actually the member companies of the network, but they're deeply interested, they're deeply supportive. Some of them are at the political level, some of them are at yeah. the institutional level, some of them are at the investment level, some of them are in the R&D world, and they know that the things that these people create are going to have worldwide impact beyond just the company themselves. But if you put a number out there that's attached, and they've grown a, a hundred times, and this is where they were, and this is where they are now, and they remain true and simple to their original vision. All my companies remain true yeah. and simple to their original vision. That's a phenomenal context to be communicating. I know you go and you're a speaker, and I know you're involved in big health conferences. Well, it's interesting. This health moonshot thinking and this 100x thinking becomes a magnetic draw to people that want to be a part of it. So it ties right to this, oh, yeah. what happens when you shift your thinking and your messaging and your framework into health moonshot thinking, moonshot thinking, 100x thinking. Yeah. 
So just to satisfy the immediate negativity that comes up in people's minds, I moved them on to another little exercise, and I said, now state the five reasons why this hundred times multiplier is completely and totally impossible. You know, because <laughs> and is there ever a shortage? Of no, that? there's never a shortage. But if you don't allow people to get them out, it's a conversation stopper. In other words, if they're going through the exercise and they don't have a chance to actually state what they see as the impossibilities. And I put impossible in quotation marks because it's a point of right. view. Seemingly impossible, yeah. right? It's almost like a release valve, yeah. right? You're kind of saying before you start giving me all the reasons or getting in your own way in your head, let's let it out and just vomit out all the things that are conjured up in your mind about how silly this sounds. The neat thing about this is that they can't bring up any of the issues that we've already covered in the first column. And uh, I said, no, no, you're only doing your unique ability and your company's only doing its unique ability and you're not violating any of your non-negotiables. Yeah. If not working nights and not working weekends is part of your value system, maximum quality of life outside of what I'm doing, that's not negotiable. Okay, so you've already handled that. You know, I handled that up front. And then I move on to the third part of the middle column, which is the brain stretcher. And I just list three things that I'm already doing that's putting me in the territory where I would be meeting the who's out there in the marketplace who would be a constant source of ideas, would be a constant source of creativity, collaboration, inspiration. I need to pause you here and make sure that we explain this who versus how, because yeah. even though you're now rattling it off like it's common, like everybody <laughs> just knows it's who versus how and who's, I think it's a profound shift. And a lot of, by the way, what we we're doing at Startup Health was, you know, we can't end cancer ourselves as an organization. It's about the community of hundreds of entrepreneurs, if not thousands of entrepreneurs that are going to end cancer as we know it, or cure the diseases that we're talking about, whether they're chronic or fatal, impacting people's lives. So the who versus the how. And I think the notion that traditional or conventional entrepreneurs and even employees and team members often think how, not who. So yeah. can you just discuss that breakthrough and then how careful you need to be between you know, almost disguising a who is a how and a how is a who? So this is just observation from looking at myself as an entrepreneur and then coaching since 1974. I've coached 6,000 really successful entrepreneurs, and I notice that they get into trouble when they get a big goal, bigger and better in some respect that lies in the future. They get bogged down because they say, well, how am I going to do that? And immediately they're in trouble because they don't have the capabilities personally necessary to do the how. So I said, here's where you make a sharp, you know, it's like a fork in the road. You know, the famous Yogi Berra line, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. Mm -hmm. Well, taking the how part of a bigger and better goal just gets you into complexity that you don't have the capabilities and it discourages you, it de-energizes you. But if you think this is very possible, this bigger and better, but it would be me looking at the who's who already exist in the marketplace, who already have the capabilities of doing this. So one of the responses to this exercise, even when I got to this stage in the exercise, you know, I'm not all the way through, 
people have said, well, this shows me why I can't be doing howing anymore in my entrepreneurial future. I have to be doing whoing. Yeah. Okay. It's just a very, very simple distinction. I said, and I had them previously in the day actually say who their best who solutions and breakthroughs were. So they've already done it. And I had them identify their worst three how quagmires that they got themselves into. And I said, anytime you go how, you get into trouble. Anytime you go who, and that's staffing up your company. Yeah. You know, don't you be doing it. Hire somebody who's a who. Where does that stop in the organization? Where do you need to make sure that people don't just keep hooing it? Is it just the entrepreneur? Is it just the management team? Is it just the manager? Like, and is it applied maybe to everybody, but just with certain things like if you're in unique ability, it's you're the who. And if you're not, then it's a how or vice versa, I should say. Yeah, yeah. We push it right down to the newest person who's just joined us. And we say there are certain things that you're really great at. And we know that because of our testing and observation. And anytime you run into a bottleneck where you're, you're caught, look at who else in the organization can help me out with this. So we're not talking about going out into the world. We're saying teamwork, good teamwork inside the organization. Yeah. I think it's important because you're talking about something that although we're talking about entrepreneurs right now, and that's the focus of the game changer yep. discussion and even what we both do in our respective organizations. But I think that we all rely on so many team members to work together. And I love when things translate to them too, like unique ability and things like that. So the who is really a unique ability framework. And then the how, I'm sorry, you're the how because you know how to get things done when they're unique ability. If they're not, you got to ask yourself who. So I liked how it, I just hadn't thought about it too much before this discussion around how this translates down throughout the whole organization. Yeah. And not just with external collaborators. So they identify the who's that they already have available to them in the world. And I said, if you stop trying to do a lot of howling related to your growth as an entrepreneur, but you started to take advantage of the unique capabilities of an expanding network of who's out in the marketplace where all you have to do is tell them about the idea and their capability becomes available to you. I mean, you work out some sort of deal, you know, but if you tell them I'm going a hundred times and you've got something that I really, really need, they're interested. Oh, that sounds like an exciting game because they would be interested in a game like that. You know, why wouldn't they? Yeah. It's that or retirement, Steve. <laughs> Not an option, Dan. Not an option. Not can't, interesting. Can't say the R word. So how your thinking changes then as a result of just going through that sprint. Because yeah. how long do you think it takes to fill out this worksheet done properly? Yeah, I think start to finish, my take on it was about 30 minutes. Okay, and so by the time you're getting to this third section, what's the raw ingredients for how your thinking changes? And what was your thinking around these last two sections? Yeah, well, the first thing that I came to, uh, you know, was just that little trick of getting them to multiply by 100 and then take the collective number for the whole room and put it up on the screen. And I could just see a mind shift just by putting that number up. You know, I mean, there's countries that don't do this yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, on the planet. And here's 24 individuals who represent hundreds and thousands of other individuals existing right now and more so in the future. But I just thought what a magic there is of just, first of all, mentioning the billion number, because it's it's always going to be in the billions when 
the entrepreneurs in 10 times go 100 times. And then just to see collective, and one of the things I'm kind of showing them is that probably individually and isolated out there, you wouldn't do this, you wouldn't even think about it, but being in this community where everybody's doing it, you would be fascinated with how other people are progressing. When you first time you did this, what happened? Yeah, the first time that I actually did the calculation. Yeah. It was one day before I tested it out on anybody else. <laughs> so did you change the worksheet based on that? No, no. I mean, I kind of knew where I was going when I was laying it out before I showed it to anybody. I, I kind of had thought about this because we've been playing with the 100 times number in previous workshops. Okay. And I just wanted to show them that you would only collaborate if it was a big enough breakthrough. I mean, yeah. it would be a breakthrough so far beyond just looking at where your company's going to go. You know, the way you're operating your company, you're not going to go 100 times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But once you get into the logic of 100 times, you say, well, first of all, it requires a lot of special capabilities outside my organization. And I could never bring those capabilities inside my organization, nor would I want to. So bring this home for me with these last two questions. Yeah, so I simply asked them, tell me three ways that your thinking has changed simply by going through the exercise up until now. And everybody was writing furiously. There were no blank spaces. And the other thing, they have to answer the question why yeah. they're thinking that thing. I'm going to have just a absolute abundance, an exponential abundance of really great thinking about how you go 100 times. And I'm going to benefit. My team is going to benefit from that. So that's the answer to that. But the big thing, and it's the final exercise, and that is, what do you do differently? And that's the really interesting part. And both the feedback that I got on the day of the workshop, and then we have a practical application the next day, which is called the boot camp, people came in and said, boy, that sure simplified my life. <laughs> You know, I've been diddling around. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. Overnight, they all came in. I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to get rid of this. And we're going to staff up in this way because we got to be freed up. And now I'm going to put on my special vision glasses, which allow me to see those collaborators out in the marketplace. Really enjoyed this conversation, Dan. I always love getting inside your head. I think what's interesting is how I live in this world of health moonshots that is complemented by this multi-industry transformation that I think can benefit both from seeing what other people are doing, but also applying things. And I loved how you said the economic impact, not just the life and human impact of this as a way to kind of connect them together. So this has been a blast. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Steve. And I want to tell you, you're a great sounding board on this because I've learned a lot of very, very important things about presentation of this idea, just because I was able to interact with you over the past half hour. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Dan.